Hello and welcome to the first episode of Vision, Culture and Policy. My name is Sabal Khamis. I'll be your host for this podcast series. This podcast will take you on a journey to a land of unparalleled richness, where the echoes of the past continue to inspire and amaze. Saudi Arabia is home to me and to a myriad of natural wonders, from the enchanting sand dunes that rise and fall like shifting oceans to the resplendent verdant oases that exude a sense of serenity and calm. But this is not just a podcast about Saudi Arabia's natural beauty. It's mainly about the cultural infrastructure, cultural policy, and artistic pursuit that have shaped the country's cultural landscape. I'll take you through the intricacies of the initiatives and programs that have been instrumental in showcasing Saudi Arabia's cultural heritage to the world, and the changes that have allowed the art and culture scene to reflourish like it did before. In this series, you'll come across some of the interviews I have conducted with talented artists and cultural practitioners in Saudi Arabia, who I would like to express my heartfelt gratitude for their unwavering support. Before I begin this episode, I'd like to raise three important questions. What is culture? And how does it contribute to our social fabric? And how much does it affect our economy? I'll be answering these questions throughout this series. Today, it is no secret that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has undergone massive cultural and economic transformation. But to truly grasp the significance of the current changes, we must take a step back into history. On this episode, we'll go back in time to where it all began, from the earliest beginnings to the present day. We'll explore the fascinating evolution of this incredible nation. So join me as I dig into the past to uncover the secrets that have shaped the Saudi Arabia and its cultural policy we know today. As astronomer Carl Sagan once said, you have to know the past to understand the present. And with that being said, I'll start by mentioning three periods that are significant to these changes. The first period will be the foundation and the unification of the country. The second period is the Islamic awakening. And last, but surely not least, is Vision 2030. The Arabian Peninsula is a land of scattered nations, where towns and cities and villages fiercely competed against each other. Lacking a common purpose and security, tribal wars and lack of unity have plagued this land for centuries. However, despite their differences, the people of Arabia shared the same values, principles, religion, and tribal codes. They possess all necessary structure to build a nation, but their stubbornness against change has hindered their progress. Each town has its own leader or prince, who reports to no one and holds absolute authority over their territory. They are fiercely proud of their long-lasting legacies and view independence as a jewel that must be protected at all costs. This independence is deeply rooted in their culture, and they believe that an independent mind leads to an independent life. However, in the town of Dir'iyah, located in the heart of Arabia's Najd region, a visionary leader emerged. Prince Mohammed bin Saud had ruled this emirate for over 20 years, and he had a dream of creating a moderate Islamic society where justice and fairness prevailed. He envisioned unifying the scattered towns and creating an alliance of people united under one leadership. He sought to empower his people, encouraging learning, building, and development, while protecting their inherited legacy. Prince Mohammed bin Saud's leadership was marked by his unwavering courage and unshakable trust in his neighboring towns, and from it came the first Saudi state. He built a defense wall to protect his people from invaders and invited neighboring towns to join his cause. 
resulting in the establishment of a soft expansion, and from there embarked the journey of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Through the annals of time, states have crumbled only to rise from the ashes with newfound strength. The years have witnessed a relentless cycle of succession and grueling battles, passing the torch from one generation to the next. But it was the fateful year of 1932 when King Abdulaziz, a true visionary, emerged to unite his fragmented nation. With unwavering determination, he embarked on a mission to unify the regions of Najd and Hijaz, breathing life into his grand vision. This marked the beginning of his visionary reign, during which he began building and organizing his country administratively. And with that marked the end of an era, the last battle fought on horseback with swords, leaving an indelible mark on the pages of history. King Abdulaziz was a charismatic and politically smart leader who ruled for an impressive 54 years until his death. His son succeeded him, and to this day, the Al Saud family remains the royal family that governs the kingdom. In that era, a vibrant cultural revolution swept across the land. Fueled by the blusting trade routes, every corner of the kingdom boasts its own distinctive cultural tapestry, woven with awe-inspiring architecture, exquisite handicrafts, mesmerizing melodies, enchanting folklore dances, and captivating poetry. Rather than a singular homogenous identity, the kingdom flourished with a myriad of fragmented identities, each deeply rooted in its unique geographical location. Yet it was the monumental discovery of oil that truly propelled Saudi Arabia into the global stage, forever altering its destiny. The story of how oil was discovered is nothing short of incredible. Some might even call it miraculous. It's almost as if the heavens themselves smiled upon King Abdulaziz after his long and grueling battles to unite his country, bestowing upon him the precious gift of black gold. In 1929, after the Great Economic Depression hit the world economy, the number of pilgrims decreased from 100,000 to 20,000, and the only revenue the government relied on to manage the country's expenses is the income from Hajj, which is a seasonal Islamic pilgrimage that should be performed at least once in a lifetime in Mecca. This pushed the government, led by King Abdulaziz and his minister bin Suleiman, to search for new sources of income. British maps indicated that there was no oil within the borders of Saudi Arabia, but that did not stop the administration of King Abdulaziz from searching for American companies to explore. And finally, in 1933, an agreement was reached with the American company Standard Oil California, known at the time as SoCal and known today as Chevron, for £35,000 paid immediately and £20,000 after a year and a half, in addition to £50,000 in case of oil discovery and 20% of the revenues. King Abdulaziz and bin Suleiman did not expect to discover oil, but they had nothing to lose from this attempt. King Abdulaziz was skeptical to the point he asked the geologist to notify the government in case water flowed due to drilling, hoping to benefit from it. In 1935, oil flowed from the first well, but in negligible quantities. The same thing happened with the second well, as the quantities of the oil were not sufficient to encourage the company to establish an integrated infrastructure for oil extraction, and after five years of drilling and attempts, the company decided to 
stop its operations after spending $10 million without any benefits. Not only that, but the little oil that was discovered was of the heavy type that was difficult to refine and sell. Fortunately for Saudi Arabia, Texaco, another American exploration company, had developed refineries in Asia and North Africa that required this type of crude oil and had invested millions in infrastructure for these refineries. So they needed large quantities of this type to cover the cost of the investments. Therefore, Texaco bought a stake in SoCal, which owned the exploration at concession in the kingdom, and the drilling operations were resumed until they reached a depth of 4,500 feet without any significant success. Like the British before them, the Americans became convinced that there was no oil in the Arabian Peninsula. Although the orders came from the headquarters of the company in San Francisco to stop the drilling, the engineers decided in a final attempt to drill another 200 feet in well number 7. As a result, by March 1938, oil flowed at a rate of 1,585 barrels per day and increased to 4,000 barrels per day. By 1940, the production had reached commercial quantities of 20,000 barrels per day at a time when the world economy had recovered from its crisis. The discovery of oil in Saudi Arabia marked a turning point in the country, igniting a wave of economic, social, and cultural growth that continues to this day. As the nation flourished, a vibrant cultural scene emerged, attracting thinkers, innovators from a myriad of fields. These individuals who had studied abroad and returned with new perspectives and ideas gathered to discuss and debate the latest theories and developments. Despite being known primarily for its vast oil reserves, Saudi Arabia has always had a deep appreciation for the arts, from traditional forms like calligraphy and poetry to modern expression. The Saudi people have embraced creativity in all its forms. Even though that was not always the case, at least after a series of events that took place. The 1960s in Saudi Arabia was a time where the country was making remarkable progress in education. However, amidst these strides, an intriguing event took place that shook the country to its core. It all started when Egypt's president, Jamal Abdel Nasser, found himself in a heated conflict with once loyal Muslim Brotherhood. The Brotherhood had surprisingly turned against him, and tensions were running high. Initially, Nasser's mission had an Islamic focus, but over the time, he shifted towards Marxism and eventually embraced communism, indicating that the Muslim Brotherhood strongly opposed this move. As a result, Nasser exiled the Brotherhood from Egypt, and King Faisal welcomed them to Saudi Arabia due to their exceptional education. Unfortunately, these groups later abused their power and deviated from the true teachings of Islam, creating an educational system that altered the way people interpreted Islam from a religious, social, and psychological perspective. As generations of young Saudis learned under the Muslim Brotherhood's tutelage, significant changes occurred in their perception of Islam. By the year 1979, came to life a movement which was known as the Sahwat Islamiyah, or as Orientalists call it, the Islamic Awakening. The Saudi Sahwat Islamiyah, or Sahwa, was a transformative period in Saudi Arabia's history, marked by powerful social and political change between the late 1970s and 1980s. It was a movement born out of marriage between the Muslim Brotherhood's ideology and the Saudi state's Salafi tradition. 
The Sahwa's rise in the 1980s can be attributed to three pivotal events. The seizure of the Holy Mosque in Mecca, the Iranian Revolution, and the Soviet-Afghani War. Before the awakening phenomenon existed, there was a vibrant cultural scene in the kingdom, from cultural exchanges in neighboring countries to social intellectual events that enriched the people. The pre-awakening era was a time of creative expression and celebration. In the 1960s, Saudi Arabia showed great interest in the arts and culture sector by hosting many Arab singers and musicians. The real start came with the establishment of television in 1965 in Saudi Arabia, which led to the founding of drama, theater, folklore, music, singing, cultural and arts association. Official television organized concerts for singers from Egypt and other Arab countries, in addition to evenings for Saudi singers. That year was a turning point in the religious and political trends in the region due to the developments it carried. The Islamic Revolution overthrew the Shah's rule in Iran and sought to spread its ideas in the region, while the Soviets invaded Afghanistan, prompting Muslim fighters around the world to rally to resist the aggression. And a rebellion orchestrated by a man named Jehman al-Atebi erupted in Mecca, with the attackers claiming that the ruling of al Saud's dynasty had lost its legitimacy due to the corruption and their aggressive policy to westernization that had destroyed the Saudi culture and Islamic beliefs. In Saudi Arabia, that year was seen by many as a turning point in the kingdom's history. Despite firmly quelling the rebellion, the authorities strengthened their ties with the religious establishment, and the Saudi religious figures obtained prominent social positions. This was reflected on the closure of a few cinemas and theaters that existed in the kingdom. In addition to the strictness towards women's rights and their role in society, the Saudi cultural scene has been subject to ideological tensions that have led to the formation of various forms of movements. This in turn has shaped the cultural scene according to this framework, where the overlap between the Islamic awakening movement, modernity, and then between the Islamic awakening movement and the liberals in the local scene, has been the main driver of the wheel of production, printing, publishing discourse, and Saudi cultural theory. However, the fading of the Islamic awakening movement over time and the removal of what it remains due to its political interference aimed at putting an end to this phase. The Saudi cultural middle ground has revealed a large void that the traditional intellectual has been unable to fill. This intellectual appears to have failed to produce any cultural content outside the framework of traditional conflict between the two main poles in the country, raising an important question on the possibility of formulating a Saudi cultural scene without this tension, and about the type of culture that those who manage the country hope to formulate. Given the inability of the traditional elite to provide production without resorting to and recycling stories from the past and starting wars that have already ended, Saudi Arabia finally started to see the downfall of al-Sahwa during King Abdullah's reign. However, its demise was officially declared by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman during the launch of Vision 2030. This marked the end of an era and the beginning of a new chapter in the country's history. With the Saudi government's commitment to modernize and reform, the legacy of al-Sahwa is now a thing of the past. The future holds promise for a more progressive and prosperous Saudi Arabia. Which raises the question, what is Vision 2030? Why is it good? Why is it so popular amongst younger crowds? And are there people that don't like the vision? Well, 
Vision 2030, it was like a long-awaited dream for many. After years of minimal chances of entertainment, it arrived like a refreshing rain in a parched desert. The Quality of Life program brought about significant changes. Opening a business used to be an overwhelming process that took ages to complete, but now it takes just a few hours. In the past, the Saudi family's sole form of entertainment was visiting a mall that didn't even have a cinema. No movies to watch, no concerts to attend. The options were limited, and people had to make the effort to travel if they wanted to experience music or cultural events. Just six years ago, the country was going through a tough time. Despite being rich in history, heritage, and culture, the people were culturally disconnected. There were no proper avenues for them to engage in cultural activities and explore their own roots. But now, with Vision 2030, the tide has turned and a vibrant cultural renaissance is on the horizon. Saudi Arabia's Vision 2030 is a comprehensive plan that aims to transform the country's economy and society. The goal of this vision is to diversify the economy, reduce the country's dependence on oil, and create new sources of revenue. The vision includes various initiatives such as promoting tourism, building a knowledge-based economy, and empowering women. The plan also focuses on enhancing the arts and culture industry in the country. I'll read a paragraph that's from the Vision 2030 document. We consider culture and entertainment indispensable to our quality of life. We are well aware that the cultural and entertainment opportunities currently available do not reflect the rising aspirations of our citizens and residents, nor are we in harmony with our prosperous economy. It is why we will support the efforts of regions, governance, and nonprofit and private organizations to organize cultural events. We intend to enhance the role of government funds while also attracting local and international investors, creating partnerships with international entertainment corporations. Land suitable for cultural and entertainment projects will be provided and talented writers, authors, and directors will be carefully supported. We will seek to offer a variety of cultural venues, such as libraries, art museums, and as well as entertainment possibilities to suit tastes and preferences. These projects will also contribute to our economy and will result in the creation of many job opportunities. So with that being said, Vision 2030 had a significant impact on the arts and culture industry in Saudi Arabia. The plan recognizes the importance of arts and culture as a means of promoting social and economic development. The country has a rich cultural heritage, and the vision aims to preserve and promote the heritage by investing in cultural infrastructure and promoting cultural events. The vision also supports the development of arts and culture industry by providing funding and support to artists and cultural organizations.